What's up, guys? Ryan Horn here, and welcome to the Extraordinary Man Podcast. This is the one and only podcast specifically designed to help married businessmen create more profit and purpose in their business without sacrificing their family, health, or marriage in the process. Each week, I interview some of the world's most extraordinary men, including seven- and eight-figure entrepreneurs, elite athletes, best-selling authors, and world-class speakers. Brian Buck is a boldness coach for high-performing people who also share his love for Star Wars, comic books, or Pearl Jam. Boldness is more than confidence. It is about your way of being. Brian helps you create a bold vision, develop bold strengths, take bold actions, and make bold connections along your journey. What is one place in your life where being bolder would make an incredible difference? Brian, welcome to the Extraordinary Man Podcast. Great to have you on. How are you doing today? Man, I am doing so awesome. I've been looking forward to this uh, all week. I'm glad we're doing it. Thanks, Ryan. Absolutely. Me too. So tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into business and become an entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, one of the things I started off way back in high school doing theater. And I used to want to be a theater director and a theater actor. And But what's amazing about that is everything I learned on the stage has completely set me up for the rest of my life. And I ended up after college doing a job where um, one of the things I like to call myself is I'm a lazy high performer. I like to get a lot of stuff done, but I don't like to do a lot of work. So I just started doing improvements and making things better. I was doing that for a while. We used to do these internal mini takeovers in our own organization. Our director would set us up in a place. They would make improvements, move on and move on to other departments and kept making things better and engaging with teams. Then um, they moved to Texas. I chose not to. I worked a couple of odd jobs. And then I found a job working at a hospital doing lean Toyota way, Six Sigma kind of improvement work. And I was an internal consultant and I loved it. And one of the eureka moments that I got during that time was recognizing that everything I loved about the theater is what I was getting out of being a consultant and a coach. Instead of telling someone else's story, my client was the story. And those of us on stage like a little bit of attention. So when I could be on a podcast or when I could teach or help other people, I get a little bit of that performance piece. But the main thing is, is when I used to do theater directing, the goal is to tell a story that's going to emotionally move the audience but your goal too is to make the audience the best, make the actor the best they can on stage. And once I realized that's exactly what I do as a coach. So I was doing that for a few years. I went from consulting to being a um, operational manager for a few years. And I was responsible for a team of 200 people uh, in my area. And um, we did a lot of amazing things. And then things got toxic. It was one of the most challenging times that I've ever faced. I was someone who can, not only is the glass half full, but I know where the pitcher is to refill it. And when I was in that situation, when things turned toxic and toxic behaviors were there, my wife turned to me and said, Brian, you've lost your spark. And I didn't know how to process people 
who no longer weren't even in the boat with me, but were actively drilling holes in my boat. So I was starting to feel a pinch there. And then I live in Seattle and seeing getting Pearl Jam tickets is one of the hardest things you could possibly do in Seattle. And I finally got tickets in 2018 and I got to see them live my first time ever. And this was right around that same time period of the toxic workplace. And I remember walking up into the stadium thinking, this to be one of those bands that I used to love when I was in high school. But now you see them when they're older and you're kind of like, eh, they're kind of a shadow of their former selves kind of a thing. The second song they played was Release from their 10 album. And I remember at that moment, I'm just going to release myself to the experience. I was going to forget the toxic environment. I was going to forget that. I was just going to be part of this experience. And through that concert, it was so incredibly moving to me that by the time they sang alive towards the end of the night, I've never felt more alive in my entire life. And I realized that I wanted to have a greater impact than the 200 people that I was directly responsible for. And what I noticed in that, I was I'm always kind of thinking about, well, what was it about that concert? And I think about a rock concert lifestyle. What's a rock concert like? It's full of passion. It's full of connection. And it's full of boldness. Because no one is passive at a concert. The band isn't and the audience isn't. And I think another thing that inspired me, I was waiting in line to get something and I was next to a woman I was talking up in the line and she was saying how her and her husband go to every concert of theirs on the West Coast, like they travel with the band. And oh my gosh, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So after that experience, I said, what's next? And I started to get training and how to coach uh, professional athletes and their mindset. Even though I'm not a, a big sports fan, I thought that level of performance works with the nurses and all the other people that I work with on how to be coachable, how to perform at high levels. I went through and did some work with Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins. I did another coaching pro. So, and I got a couple of certifications and I started telling people I'm in business and I started to see results with people. And I went, oh my goodness, that dream that I had from that concert is now actually happening in my business and it's still happening and growing uh, every day, which is super exciting. And it all comes down to what I started in the theater. I'm now helping people be the best in where they're at. And that's so fulfilling being a part of their story. That is a really cool backstory. I love how you tied that together too with the theater and being a director and how it's about telling the story and helping the actors be better. And now you're kind of doing the same thing, but you're just in a different role in a different way as a coach. First of all, maybe you can just briefly touch on this, but the you're talking about the lean Toyota way. And I've heard of that a little bit here and there, but I don't really fully know that. A lot of people in the audience probably don't either. Like what exactly is that system? Yeah. So What's interesting is Toyota uh, really kind of created, based off of some American coaching and some of their own, uh, a methodology and a way of leading uh, that made vastly improved products, vastly improved quality, and vastly improved employee engagement. And one of the things that I really love in the world of lean is Toyota has two pillars. There's continuous improvement 
and then there's respect for people. And those are equal. And I call those the head, the science, and the heart, the respect for people aspect. Um, And so the fact that, uh, and this kind of goes into a Tony Robbins quote that I love, is he talks about all improvement is is 20% tactics and 80% psychology. And once I recognize that everybody really knows how to make improvements, it's not the know-how Usually, it's all the psychology to be able to get there. What's the psychology of change? Where do leaders have to be? Where do teams have to do? Where does trust have to be? You'd be amazed at how much wasted time and motion is being done because teams don't trust each other. People do extra work because they expect crap from another place, nor do they ever feel like they can communicate to teams to improve it because they just keep adding the work, adding the work. And it makes people completely uh, disengaged, and overburdened at work. And for the lazy high performer, overburden does not equal joy. And so I like to be able to go in there, help people see what's in their systems and processes and the way that they engage and work together to see those trust and teamwork pieces and really help them get past that because then they can really operate at their best levels. Yeah, that's awesome. I I don't know if I've ever heard that before. So the two pillars were continuous improvement and respect for people. And then I I love the Tony Robbins quote you threw in there too, the the 80-20 of how it's mostly psychology, which most people definitely do not realize in my opinion, but I 100% agree. Let's talk a little bit more about you and what you do right now. So you call yourself a boldness coach and you talked about boldness briefly before. What does that mean? Yeah. What's kind of interesting is I started off helping businesses and I've got a lot of experience with that and I still have a passion for that. But when I started to think about my business means I got to choose who I want to hang out with. And so I thought, well, who am I going to enjoy hanging out with? But as other geeks like me. So I really wanted to help Star Wars geeks and comic book geeks, especially Batman. I know you got the Superman in the background. I like Superman. Batman's cooler in my books. Um, And so I started to think about, well, how can I really serve them in a unique and fun way? So I started to think about it as helping people become real life superheroes. What does it mean to be a superhero dad, a superhero leader, a superhero person in your community? And as I was sharing that with people, people said, oh, that sounds cool, but I don't know what the heck it is. Like, oh, okay, that doesn't work too well. And, you know, like people think, am I going to walk around in tights? And like, what is a superhero? What does that mean? I said, well, superheroes live lives of adventure and boldness. And when I said boldness, people leaned in. Oh, let me play around with this a little bit. And, And as I started to really figure it out, I think about, that boldness has been a theme in my entire life. And I, it's one of the ways that I greatly help clients because there's a lot of people who are confidence coaches. And I think a lot of people think boldness is confidence, but boldness is actually a way of being. Boldness definitely has the confidence element, but boldness is also about bold actions, having bold visions, building up bold strength, and specifically creating a bold community and bold connections around you. Because the most successful people I know don't go alone. They have people in their area, in their lives that are helping them go to the next level, helping them sustain where they're at and challenging them to go even further. So I have a lot of excitement in helping people really make this real in a practical way. 
Yeah, I love that. I, I remember the first time that we talked, uh, we talked about the boldness coach because that definitely stood out to me too. I was like, that sounds cool. I don't, I don't know 100% what that means, but it sounds cool because I think people want to show up with boldness, but a lot of times for whatever reason, they're not. So they look up to people that do show up with boldness uh, and they admire that trait. And so I'm not surprised that people really connected with that that word. But let me ask you this. Do you think every person that owns a business or is an entrepreneur needs a coach if they want to maximize their potential? I think everybody needs a coach, business owner or not. And it's not just a coach. You need a coach who specializes in the areas that you want to go to. I'm a huge Lisa Nichols fan, and I heard her speak once, which I thought was fascinating. Um, she went with she went on Oprah once, and Oprah was talking about one of her five coaches, and Lisa Nichols said, "I only have three. I need to get another coach." And one of the things I was in a corporate world once, and I had a vice president said, "Brian, don't tell anybody you're a coach." I says, "What do you mean? That's exactly what I am." And they're like, people see coaches as negative. And it was a eureka moment for me on how often coaches are assigned to fix a lack. Oftentimes, maybe a leader doesn't engage well with their team. So they give them a coach to try to get better. But that's not the kind of coaching I do. I know it's not the kind of coaching you do. The kind of coaching that we love to do is to take people who are already crushing it and already killing it and help them go to the next level. There's this great coach I saw on YouTube. Her name is Hannah Bales. She's a uh, vocal coach. And she had a woman uh, from Broadway, a Broadway singer from Wicked, the one who plays the Green Witch. I can't remember what her name is. And she was coaching her. I was like, what? You're going to coach someone on Broadway already? And she was coaching, well, if you hold your mouth this way and you say your vowels this way, how much more powerful is that? And how much more sustainable is that over eight shows a week? And the woman's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So the fact that there's just a few key things that coaches can be able to help you to make it easier and take you to the next level. Those are the real high performers. The people who try to go it alone, you're going to only go so far until you realize you're your own lid. And I just want to encourage people, stop being a lid. That's good. That's so good. Yeah. Stop being a lid. And uh, you know what I've found, I'm sure you have too, is the people that are most successful are the ones that have the most coaches. They realize that the quickest way to go to the next level is to have coaching because we all have blind spots. And sometimes we're so in the situation, we can't see things that are that are obvious. But I want to I want to switch directions here a little bit. I saw on your Facebook you had a post from a couple of days ago that I want to talk about. You had this day planned out, I think for you and your son, and then you ended up getting a flat tire and you had to go get it fixed and like you had to make these changes to your plans and you were talking about how most people do not respond well when things don't go as planned. And I agree with that, but I would like you to maybe just kind of tell the story, fill in the gaps of of what I said and then talk about how you responded and how most people respond. Sure. Yeah. So that day, my wife works in fundraising and she had an event that night. So the plan was I was going to pick up my son right after school. He was going to get his homework done. We were going to go out to eat together. We were going to play a little Minecraft, do some fun stuff. Like we had it all planned. So I left the normal time to go pick him up about two o'clock. I'm also part of a mastermind that we haven't met for a few months, I was really excited. I was going to listen in while I go and pick him up and not more than five feet from the house. Thump, 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 thump. I'm like, what the heck's going on with my car? So I pull over, I walk around, 
flat tire. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not that far from a gas station. I can thump, thump, thump right over to that gas station, filled it up with air. Boom. Let's go. Start driving a little bit more. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Thump, 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 thump. So I pulled over. I looked out. Same tire, same flat again. I'm like, all right, now I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, I usually give myself like a 10 minute window to pick up my son. So shooting my text, uh, can you go over to your friend? I'm calling like people can dance. Can my son come over there? Can they do this? My son answers. Yes, I can go over to my friends. They're fine with it. Okay, great. So I found a little air compressor things. I filled up my tire. I finally, you know, after like 20 minutes already kind of limping along, having to pull over, pump up my tire, like every 10 minutes to get just a little bit further, went into the tire shop. They tell me it's going to be an hour. So I tell my son, hey, can you make sure with his parents? You're all right. Stay in there. He's like, no problem. And I was sitting there and my phone was almost dead. So I'm like, oh, how do I balance? Phone's going to be almost dead. And I've got all of this stuff. And what if it dies? And who knows timing? I went up to the counter and said, I know you took my keys and you said it's going to be an hour, but can I just sit in my car and charge my phone until you actually need me? And they're like, oh yeah, we'll just write dudes in his car. All right, great. So that's when I wrote my post and I was thinking, when life does not go as expected, so many people in the world would say, and this is something that I've learned in coaching that I think is powerful, is we look at problems in three ways often, and it is personal, pervasive, and permanent. Personal is when you go, this stuff always happens to me. Typical Brian thing. You got a plan. The car's dead. What are you going to do? Or it might be pervasive, tires out. This just means I'm a bad dad. I can't plan for my parents. I'm just, everything I do is wrong. And then it could be permanent. This car is going to always suck. I'm never going to fix. I'm never going to have time with my son. He's going to be disappointed in me. He's going to look back. But all those three things are just the story we tell of our perspective. I chose to look at it as this didn't go as planned. but. I'm a problem solver. I can figure out where my air is. I could tell my folks I'm going to watch the recording of this mastermind. Wished I could have been there live. And my son was actually pretty excited. He got to hang out with his friend after school. And the tire place gave me free popcorn. So I just got to sit there, eat popcorn. I got to watch a training video that really is helping me uh, connect with some other um, people with their offers and things like that. So it ended up working out really well. So what I think about that is, and this is something I've learned, and I think this is part of what I incorporate is boldness, is the more we are present, the better we are able to perform. I'm not or I'm not beating myself up with the past. I'm not fretting about the future. Things don't go as planned, but you know what? I'm adaptable. There's an unknown quote um, that I heard a while ago, and it says, we can't control the waves, but we can learn to surf. And so in that moment, I was just surfing. I was able to find the gold, not the dust. I was able to point out the good thing because that's a choice. And this is something I help my clients with. And I know some people, it takes a while, but it's practicable and doable is to recognize happiness as a choice. It starts with the story that we choose, 
the perspective we choose, because we actually choose the story and the perspective before we ever have an emotional reaction. So we can respond instead of react. That is that is so good, Brian. I, I, I love it. I'm glad I brought that up because there's so much gold in what you just said. And uh, I'm going to try to summarize a little, a, a little bit of it. I've been taking notes here, but you're 100% right. It's the story that we tell ourselves and we get to choose it, right? But sometimes we've been telling ourselves the same story for so long, it just becomes automatic that it's negative. Like, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. This always happens to me, blah, 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 all of those things, right? But you definitely can train yourself to, to respond the other way. Uh, and it's powerful. Powerful. And I'm not going to go into it right now, but I have a story uh, similar to that where I had an experience and uh, it was a massive shift for me because prior to that, I would not have responded that way. But a, a couple of things I want to bring up from Tony Robbins. So one of the things that he says is what you focus on is what you feel, right? If you're focused on that, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to me again, or it's messing up my whole night, then you know, you're going to feel not so good probably, right? <laughs> but if you focus on a question that I learned from Tony Robbins that I think is really powerful is how is this a gift, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a gift in the moment, but if you ask yourself that question, like you ask your brain a question, it's got to come up with an answer. So really powerful stuff. Thank you for sharing all that. I'm curious, what would you say are some of your best habits? And this could be in any area of your life. Um, The two that pop up to my mind, one is learn like you're going to teach it. And that was something that I learned way back in the early 90s, back in the days, back in the 1900s. Um, And it's really has become the habit of my life is whenever I learn new things, I think about man, how can I turn this away and be able to help other people with it? And what that does is it helps you put it into practice yourself. And so the fact that you do that, you put it into practice, so that way you figure out how you can best communicate it. And I think the other piece is I have a curiosity habit. I'm just curious and learning. I'm curious about, help me know more about this. Let me read this. Let me research this. Let me understand this. And I think that curious habit is what also leads to the other one is learn like you're going to teach it as well. So it's a pretty exciting continuous loop that helps me. That's great. Yeah. I think I have the same uh, curiosity one, but sometimes if you don't have the first one you're talking about, the curiosity can kind of get you in trouble because you just want to learn, 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 and then you don't actually implement anything, which yeah, doesn't help. That's called shelf development, where we're they, just learning to not use it. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I love having the first one in place too. Learning like you got to teach it to somebody and taking action on what you learned. If you could go back and give your 20-year-old self three pieces of advice, what would they be? One, I think I would have went right into the Lane Six Sigma stuff earlier because I really love that whole world and philosophy and, and way of practice. So it would have been nice to have a little more experience. Two, I would have um, pursued the coaching uh, even earlier because even though I've always coached, especially as like a consultant you know, there's elements of coaching, but a lot of those are ask Socratic questions and hold people accountable. But there's so much more in it that I've learned in my certifications. In fact, Evercoach uh, teaches consult the business, but coach the person. And to me, that is a key distinction that matches what I was attempting to do in the corporate world. But being more intentional up front, I think, would have made uh, me even more effective in helping serve people be at their best. And the third piece of advice, um, 
I just think, um, I, I think it's keeping advice that I knew in my 20s, but I'd want to make sure I don't lose it. And that's just have a sense of humor because everything's really funny if you think about it. And if you don't take things seriously, things are way easier. I mean, yeah, things are serious, but if you don't take things as so drastic, you know, for someone who's in the theater and drama, humor deflates drama. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Those are three really solid pieces of advice. And there's some quote, I might mess this up, but about having a sense of humor. Like if you're in a situation and you're like, oh, 20 years from now, we'll probably laugh about it. It's like, why wait? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's one of my favorite things is, you know, is can you tell me what you were really stressed out about and that really worried you and probably kept you up on November 12th? 28 uh 2016 no i can't and, and like looking back you can't even remember it but in the moment you're like oh this is oh my gosh it's so big it's such a big deal but time tells us it's really not that important absolutely and so if you could hold on to that like you know and i'm not even gonna remember what this is in two years so how much energy am i gonna put towards this Exactly. It's what we were talking about before, what you focus on, right? If you focus yep. on the fact that it's not even going to matter a week from now, then you probably will just let it go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and the other thing you said that I've never heard before, but I love this. You said the consult the business and coach the person. I think that is so good. Last question for you here, Brian, what is your definition of an extraordinary man? Integrity. An extraordinary man is someone who stands for something and consistently acts that way because there's safety in knowing what someone stands for. You might not disagree with it, but at least you trust they'll be consistent. And when you have that need or you need that perspective, you can trust. I, I think the opposite of the extraordinary man is the ones who are always going back and forth and they have no firm footing you don't have firm footing, no one's going to feel safe around you in a world that needs safety. That's a really powerful answer. I, I love that answer. Yeah, stand for something, right? And the integrity piece, that's great. Well, Brian, this has been amazing. Where can people go to find out more about you? Yeah, um, Facebook. If you look up Brian Buck in the Seattle, Washington area, you can find me. And then my website, brianbuck.org. Whoever owns brianbuck.com has nothing on their webpage, but they've never given up the URL. Uh, so I'm a brianbuck.org guy, B-R-I-A-N-B-U-C-K.org. Perfect. Well, I, I will make sure there's a direct link uh, down below to make it easy for people. And uh, same thing for me, ryanhorn.com. Nobody's ever done anything with it, but they've owned it for like 15 years. <laughs> so it's coachryanhorn.com for me. But uh, like I said, I'll put the link in the show notes down below. But Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. All right. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. Guys, thanks so much for joining me on another episode of the Extraordinary Man Podcast. Here's the thing, you're never going to maximize your potential on your own. So I'm personally inviting you to come and join me in the private Extraordinary Man Facebook group so you can level up your business and your life. Just head over to Facebook and type Extraordinary Man into the search box and it will show up as the first result. Iron sharpens iron and this is the number one place for you to connect with me and other like-minded men who are on a mission to maximize their potential. My goal is to help you become the man God created you to be in all areas of your life. So come and join us in the Facebook group and upgrade your business and your life. I'll see you on the next episode.